Hello everyone and welcome back to episode number 3 of Bench Busted, a brand new FPL podcast for the 2020-2021 Premier League season. My name is Jack and I am joined as ever by Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? Oh Jack, it's all gone wrong this week, but I'm feeling good. (laughs) Feeling good, Premier League is back, we still have football, although the government is introducing a whole bunch of other lockdown rules as well but we still have football back which is always a saving grace certainly for me you know I've been watching the Premier League like crazy over the last couple of weeks and people can probably tell by the excitement in my voice that I've had a bit of a better week than you've had let's just put it straight Um, I ended on 79 points and I'm feeling pretty happy with myself Um, had a massive rank jump I know that ranks don't really matter too much in the early stages I mean we've only had two games but I'm feeling pretty good mate well I'm, I'm glad you are mate I'm on <laughs> I'm on a big 43 points um I think the highlight for me is that it was the highest ever scoring weekend for 10 games in a Premier League uh 44 goals and my team scored oh one one goal for my team <laughs> okay so we will get on to our teams in just a moment but what we are going to do now is just quickly run through some of the results from the weekend so the Saturday's games we had Everton versus West Brom 5-2 to Everton what a game that was Leeds Fulham the championship clash from last season 4-3 Leeds run out eventual winners in that one Man United against Palace I think that that was maybe a bit of an upset with Palace winning 3-1 Arsenal winning 2-1 in the late kickoff on the Saturday game uh, then in on Sunday we had Southampton versus Spurs and that one another 5-2 uh, result there but that one went to Spurs uh, away from home at St Mary's Newcastle uh, versus Brighton finished 3-0 to Brighton Chelsea Liverpool arguably the pick of the games over the weekend Liverpool comfortable winners 2-0 in that one Leicester 4 and Burnley 2 was the last game on Sunday and then we had the fixtures on Monday Night Football Aston Villa 1 Sheffield 0 and Wolverhampton Wanderers 1 Manchester City 3 so I think for me, really, out of all of those fixtures, there's only one place to start, and that has to be the Southampton versus Spurs game. Nick, what did you make of that game? Oh, man, I thought Spurs were bad, I thought Southampton were bad, and I thought they scored. Spurs scored the same goal four times, and it punished me as someone who, previously in a previous life, I used to own Sun, I used to like Sun, I still like Sun, <laughs> but... They scored, Southampton played the suicidal high line, Sun scored the same goal four times, and it absolutely battered people that didn't own him, like me. Yeah, I remember going into the, the, the first episode, and you were talking about how you had Son, and then you dropped him for Pulisic, and that didn't work out, and now you're, yeah, I guess you're one of the many who didn't have Son. I think uh, going into the game week, Something like 425,000 managers transferred Son out of their team. And I think that that was just bizarre. I mean, for me personally, when you go into a new FPL season, you set up your game week one team with a look ahead to the following fixtures. Now, I, I know Son didn't get any returns in his first game, but I wasn't in any rush to, you know, remove him from my team I, I I can understand why people get a bit impatient and you know investing 9 million in in Son who then did see a price drop down to 8.9 uh, he has subsequently gone back up to 9.0 after this week's uh, round of fixtures but for me it was never an option I was you know 
I always had that consideration, okay, if Son doesn't do anything to convince me to keep him in, then maybe he might be on the chopping block. But, you know, lo and behold, he goes and bangs four goals in. You mentioned it was four of the same goal. I mean, it was Kane who assisted him four times and then Kane finished off the scoring with one of his own. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, FPL aside, Southampton don't look great defensively now, do they? Honestly, actually, do you know what? I think Southampton might be all right against a team that isn't set up to counterattack them. Like like United, well, no, no, not like United, but I don't know, like a Crystal Palace or someone. I think the problem was that Mourinho's teams, clearly these days, have no intention of even trying to play football. They were rubbish. Southampton dominated them for the first half of the game. And and they just they just kept breaking and they just kept scoring. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know if Southampton were bad defensively, I just know that Spurs aren't good in midfield, but they had such a good counter-attack that it made Southampton look sort of, uh, well, it, it punished their stubbornness. I don't know. I'm all over the place on it. It's, it's such <laughs> upsetting. I have so much trauma from, from the game. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, you know, Southampton were playing that high line. And, you know, you say it, you know, against a counter-attacking team like Spurs, it's a very, very risky thing to do. Um yeah, it didn't pay off. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people out there who I know had a Southampton double up, or double up at the back with Kyle Walker-Peters and, and McCarthy. And I think we both had McCarthy in between the sticks. And, you know, shipping five goals is just, it's, it's not great for a points return. But, you know, people doubling up, I think they're going to look to start moving away from a double up on the Southampton defence. Um, going forward, Southampton, you know, Danny Ings bagged two goals. So I guess if you're an Ings owner... I would probably stick with him despite seeing a, a, a price drop from 8.5 to 8.4. But, I mean, yeah, Spurs, you know, we we mentioned it a bit last week with the addition now of Gareth Bale, obviously maybe carrying a bit of an injury, um, lacking match fitness, of course. But he has been added into the game at 9.5. Do you see Gareth Bale as potentially being an attacking option in FPL? Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> okay. I think my my take on it is that I would not get him in just blindly, especially when he costs more than Son. Um, yeah. I'd wait for him to actually do something. He's 31 years old. He spent the last three years on the golf course. And there's a reason that he's he, like, even when he did play for Madrid, he didn't look that good or that sharp um, compared to what you'd expect from a 9.5 million player in fantasy. So I think I'd wait and see. And you know what? A couple of years ago, I said, oh, this Salah guy coming into Liverpool, I think I'll wait and see on him as well. He's 9.5 and I'll wait for him to do something before I get him in. So you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he certainly is an enticing asset to look at. Um, I'm not, yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I'm not going to rush into making a decision on Gareth Bale until I see him playing, until I see that he has got back to full match fitness. And I'm also not really going to be looking at him if I can get the, you know, a similar amount of returns week in, week out from a player who costs at the moment 0.5 less. So, yeah, he's a bit of a tricky one. But uh, we'll move on to the other 5-2 game, and that was Everton 5, West Bromwich Albion 2. Now, look, I know you have your, not issues, but I know you have your specific feelings about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But he went and bagged a hat-trick. In this game, I mean, granted the goals weren't, you know, world-beating goals. They were all just, you know, simple tap-ins and, and headers. But Calvert-Lewin bagging a hat-trick surely 
managers have to be looking at him now at a as a potential asset in FBL? Yeah, man, I, I am all over the place. Because I'd really love to not like him because he is bad at football. That's true. Like, that's just a fact. But if, if Ancelotti is just like, hey, lads, this guy's crap at football, but he's really good at headering. Let's just get it up to his head. And if he keeps doing that, then, oh, man, I'm going to have to get him in. Um, I'm not going to knee-jerk him in. At the moment, I have him in on the wild card because I'm just hoping there's enough price rises that I can <laughs> sell him to get a bit of profit out of him. But, uh, yeah, Everton assets aren't to be joked around with, I don't think, anymore. I think they're a team. And easy to say. At the start of the season, a lot of people predicting, oh, Everton, they've won the transfer window. They're going to be a good team. And, and sure, with hindsight, those people look right. But there's so many times where people are like, oh, Mkhitaryan's going to pop off this year. Sanchez is going to pop off this year. The, the new best team are going to be Aston whatever. So it's it's always easy to, to say you got it right with hindsight. But I'm, I'm oh, gosh, I'm having to consider Everton assets and Everton is a real team now. And it's making me quite sad. I don't know about <laughs> you, though. How do you feel? Because you probably got a couple of goals out of that game. Well, mate, you know what? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm over the moon. I said it on the first podcast. I was like, you know what? I mean, you, you were surprised by me looking at him, but James Rodriguez has looked the real deal. And it, I mean, it's only been two games. You know, he could, he could sort of fall to the wayside over the next couple of weeks. But so far, he's just looked so good. I mean, he's made everything tick in that squad. You know, you can see that there is a concerted effort to get him the ball when he doesn't have it because they all recognize his talent you know he is playing on that right hand side of the front three and he does like to cut in on his left foot and you know the amount of times that we've seen him you know whip the ball over to the far side and in, into the feet of Luca Dina and, and Richarlison who plays over on that left hand side as well it's just been he's been crazy to watch I mean he got me a goal an assist and he also bagged uh, two bonus points so yeah picking up his uh, first goal in an Everton shirt, I mean, um, I'm not quite sure of the exact numbers, but I know that James's, uh, James Rodriguez's record under Carlo Ancelotti is just insane as well. So I think that they both have a good understanding. I think that the purchases in that midfield, I mentioned him last week, Alan has certainly allowed the likes of Richarlison, Rodriguez, Ducore, you know, to, He's allowed them to be a bit more creative in the middle of the park and it gives that Everton defence good solidarity and something to build on. It's not quite there yet in terms of their defensive line. Um, but yeah, I think things are on the up. Um, I think Luca Dean is definitely someone on my radar considering he is on you know most of the free kicks. Um, He's also got set set piece duty from that left hand side as well, and like you say, you know, with Dominic Calvert Lewin spearheading that attack, being that you know physical presence in the box and being able to have such a great aerial ability on him, it's it, it really does sort of you know make you turn and look at these players that can deliver the balls into the box for him. So yeah, I mean, I, I only owned Hamas Rodriguez. I'm not I'm I'm not particularly knee-jerking or, or looking for an excuse to bring in Calvert-Lewin but he is certainly someone on my radar um, I will probably have to you know go through a couple more price rises for him if if he does continue to impress but yeah like you say he he does look like he's got you know more goals in him this season yeah agreed I actually got him in as well but not even because I thought it'd be good I, again I I said it last week and I and I believed it when I said it he's one to watch but um 
Pulisic, the injury, it was, it was, it was, he was going to be out for the Liverpool game and possibly the next week after that. And it was actually a decision where I thought, I have to get Pulisic out and I have to bring someone in. And he just looked the best for the price. I was very close to bringing in Greenwood. Um, can I can I just... I, I need an answer from you. Did I or did I not maybe push you in a direction of James Rodriguez? You did. I, I, I mean, his performance against Spurs as well. It's just... I, in fact, this is, speaks to a, a wider sort of idea where I think what I'm doing now, because I had a terrible week, James Rodriguez was my one goal and that was a forced transfer and the rest of my players did nothing. I think what I'm doing now is I'm just going to bring in ballers, just people who are sweet with the ball. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. That's why Dominic Calvert-Lewin won't make the World Cup. In fact, that might be a lie. It might be that I have to have him or Chris Wood in the team. But apart from that, ballers. I'm just going to have ballers in the team. And it's probably going to work out for the best, right? Kevin De Bruyne, absolute baller. Get him in the team. Philip Foden, probably a baller. Get him in the team. It's just just ballers these days. That's what I. That is my new <laughs> bit. That's my new mantra. That's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I, I maybe it will work out. Who knows? I guess one player that we have to talk about as well is um, Pierre Amarika Bamiang. Now we both had the armband on him for this week. Obviously, you chose Salah in the first week, and I have stuck with him through the first two weeks. Um, it was a bit of a lacklustre showing from Aubameyang, considering, you know, he has signed a new deal with the club, only picking up an assist in that game. Um, you know, I mean, an attacking return is better than no attacking return, certainly. But we were expecting a bit more from Aubameyang, and it seems like a lot of other people were as well. Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. Last week you were like, yeah, I sort of expect my striker, my captain, to score, you know, two goals, get an assist. <laughs> and, I, and I mocked it. But... You're looking at it from a perspective where all of your players scored about 20 points and Aubameyang got five. Whereas I'm looking at it where Aubameyang was like my one of my one of my highest scoring players, and and it's it's very different for me. But um, I think Tierney being out possibly resulted in him playing a bit wider because usually Tierney and it was Ainsley Maitland Niles in the first game um, overlapped and and spread it wide so that Aubameyang could cut inside a bit more. And I have a feeling that Tierney's injury meant that Aubameyang played wider a bit more often. But it doesn't matter. He's gone. He's not Kevin De Bruyne. He's not an absolute <laughs> baller. So, see ya. Well, I mean, you mentioned uh, Tierney. And yeah, it was, you know, he did get an injury in the warm-up. So, it was a bit unexpected. And obviously, at that point, you know, you had him in your team and there was nothing you could do about it. So, maybe, I mean, maybe that is why Aubameyang had to provide a bit more cover. Uh, on the on the left hand side so yeah I mean Aubameyang I think you know you mentioned it you're you're you mentioned Aubameyang is out I mean yes we'll, we'll get on to transfers and stuff uh in in a moment but yeah I think Aubameyang is certainly I, I don't know if he went down in price last night but I think he might be due a price drop I just feel like a lot of people as you say were holding Aubameyang for certainly the first two games after they figured out or, or after they announced that Man City weren't going to be playing in that first game week. I feel like, yeah, a lot of people are going to be jumping ship down, saving 0.5 million uh, and going down to Kevin De Bruyne. So that's the transfer that I have done. And like I say, we'll get on to those in, in, in a moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, rest of my team, Mitrovic, you know, picking up two goals. He is in there. He is the penalty taker for, for, for Fulham. So, you know, that that game as well. I mean, the, the, the Fulham Leeds game was... 
it was end to end. It was very, very entertaining. There, there were times, you know, I think what Leeds went four one up, and then Fulham managed to claw it back to four three, but they couldn't quite uh, grab a late equaliser in that one. But yeah, I mean, both sides certainly Leeds, you know, continuing where they left off against uh, Liverpool, although they were. Uh, in that game on the wrong side of a 4-3 defeat, but they, they just look like a good, free-flowing attacking team, don't they? They look like a good, free-flowing attacking team who are going to concede far, far too many goals. That's, so, that's where I've landed on them. <laughs> so you're not... You're not... Are, are you looking at any of the players going forward? I mean, Bamford is still relatively cheap. Um, whether or not he can keep up his, uh, you know, getting goals and, and, and creating chances for his side is, is another thing. But, I mean, certainly one player to, to keep an eye on for me is is Klisch. And I think, you know, it has more or less been confirmed that he is on penalties now. Um, and he seems to be, you know, popping up in the right areas in that midfield for Leeds. So, perhaps some players on the radar, don't you think? No, yeah, no. Klisch and Costa are the two that I'm thinking about quite a lot. Um, I need to fill a 5.5 slot. I don't like um, St. Maximin at all. Uh, never did. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one where I settled on Armstrong at the start of the season, but Klish was in the team for a long time. And I took him out because Leeds actually have quite a bad run of fixtures at the start. And I thought I'd have time to assess them and that he probably wouldn't return against Liverpool anyway. So it wouldn't be like an issue about him looking great and, and a big price rise happening and me wanting to do it quickly. I still feel the same way. The fixtures coming for Leeds are still tough. So there's a lot of time here to assess whether Costa, Klisch and Bamford, Bamford especially look good and look like bringing in. But yeah, you're so right, Jack. They are they are absolutely ones to watch, especially in this world where you can, you, if you look at the ball funny, it's a penalty at the moment. Uh, so penalty takers are looking all right. They're looking like good bargains. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I don't want to get too bogged down in penalty debate because I know that we, I mean, we could be here for hours on end talking about penalties and, and how we feel about them. But we'll just quickly go over uh, some other games. I mean, you mentioned St. Maximan. It was a bit of a, uh, bit of a disappointment, don't you think? I mean, he sort of, I guess, conned both of us and sort of conned, you know, 20% of, of FBL managers who decided to go out on a limb and own him at the start of the season. Didn't con me, Jack, did he? You've got, <laughs> it, you've got it recorded here. You've got it recorded. Me just not being happy that he's even in my team from day one. He's That, that man's not conned me, but he was, so he was obviously in my team. He was the second biggest disappointment of the day for me, um, or that game for me, which is says a lot about how my week's gone because... We mentioned it. Tierney got injured. Enter Bissouma. It's your turn to step up, son. And he did. In the 86th minute, he did a little, or something around then, he did a little old scorpion kick to the face of Jamal Lewis and got sent packing. And that's what I live for, you know, a big zero to come off the bench for me and a man to get to get suspended for three games. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, that game was ridiculous, you know, especially... I mean, Newcastle looked okay in their opening fixture against West Ham, but, you know, to to lose at home to Brighton, I mean, Brighton looked like, you know, don't get me wrong, they, they looked like a good side. I mean, Morpai picking up two goals and, and Connolly picking up the third and really sealing the deal. But, yeah, I mean, Newcastle, you mentioned it. I mean, you know, I've got to give it to you. You know, you keep saying, keep banging on about, you know, Newcastle not being a good football team, and they certainly didn't look at the races in that one. The One of the other high-scoring games on the weekend was Leicester 4, Burnley 2. Now, certainly, 
for me, you know, James Justin picking up a goal was an absolute bonus uh, to, to, to end the weekend. Um, and then, you know, Dennis Pratt as well and Harvey Barnes, who, by the way, I mean, Harvey Barnes, can we just talk about him? He looks like an absolute steal at 7.0. Yeah, he does. I've got a slot for a 7.0 midfielder, Jack. Does he, would he <laughs> like, it's it's him or Foden. Because my, my, like, there's, I've just got a bunch of empty spaces in a wildcard team at the moment and I haven't got any idea who's going in them. What do you think? I didn't even see the game. Uh, I want to know, what do you think? How did Wood look? How did Barnes look? I mean, Wood Wood was solid as ever, you know. Um, I must admit, I didn't I didn't quite catch all of the game, but you know, from from the glimpses that I did see, he he looked okay. Um, I mean, Harvey Barnes was just, you know, he's he looks well up for it this year. That's that's my personal opinion. He just looks like he wants to be involved in in everything that Leicester do offensively. You know, he's got a great pass on him. He he's got just everything about him um, screams own to me, but. Mate, there there are just too many, you know, there are too many of these exciting, good-looking players that you see and you watch, you know, Wilfred Zaha as well is one of those that you sort of see and watch and then you look at your team and you're like, well, how can I fit all of these players in there? And I think Harvey Barnes falls into that bracket because maybe you've got, you know, coverage for some of the top six sides and, you know, Leicester are there and you, I don't know, it's just, maybe it's just me, but Certainly, Harvey Barnes is for me one to watch. I mean, uh, Timothy Castagna as well, the the new left back signing, picked up two assists, so he is again one on the radar. So I don't know, man. I mean, they they both sides, you know, Burnley perhaps maybe lacking a bit of match fitness in terms of defensively. They didn't they didn't look great. Uh, they didn't overwhelm me with confidence. Obviously, Pope rising up to 5.5 million this season. Um, I feel like that he does have still, you know, a decent amount of uh, ownership. But yeah, Burnley is just, you know, give him some time and, you know, they'll no doubt be back to their, you know, solid defensive uh, work rate that we know that they can produce week in, week out. So I don't know. That, that, that's my personal opinion, mate. Are you are you looking to perhaps bring in either of those players then on your wild cards? I certainly am. I think the situation at the moment is that I have to choose between a big non-balling brute up front, and that can be Calvert-Lewin or Wood. And then when it comes to the midfield, wow. Um, Foden, Podence, Zaha, um, Barnes. I've got to choose two of those, I think, because I've obviously got Salah, I've obviously got De Bruyne, and I've obviously got James Rodriguez. And honestly, how do you pick? How on earth do you pick there? Yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, it's it's one of those. It happens every year, you know. You you see great players on the football pitch, and then you know you look at your squad, and you've got players who are more or less dead certs in your team, uh, and and it's just about trying to. I I think what it is is it's about you know budget management and trying to catch the players when they look like they're about to hit a good run of form. Maybe that's not the best way to sort of use your free transfer each week to, to you know, keep transferring in and out 7.0, 7.5 million players into your team. But certainly this season, you know, form will come and go. And I think that that 7 million price point is a very, very enticing price point for, for midfielders. Uh, you mentioned Zaha. We talk about him. Um, you know, he picked up two goals away from home against Man United. I mean, that was just... 
Man United didn't look at it, did they? No, they look really poor, and and I'm very happy about that because a lot of people had obviously planned to bring in United players and transfer them in. Um, I'd never really thought about doing that because I thought that United need to be watched. They are still like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is still one of the worst managers they've had post uh, post Ferguson anyway. So I wasn't buying the hype, and as soon as Bruno started playing very defensively, as like a, almost like a defensive midfielder after Van der Beek came on. I thought, oh, I'm glad I'm not in that boat while I was like bailing out of my own sinking ship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we both sort of had had that in mind. You know, we weren't going to be jumping on Man United players until we had seen them play at least once. And I think the same can be said for for Manchester City as well. You know, although we know that Manchester City, you know, are another level above Man United at the moment. Um, I don't think we or certainly... I guess one of the main decisions uh, that, 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 you know, a lot of managers were having to make was, you know, do I go from Aubameyang to De Bruyne or down to Sterling? So I don't think we were, you know, going to jump the gun on any any transfers from any of the Manchester clubs. And I mean, yeah, Manchester City, I guess the final game that we'll go through. Um, yeah, they, they looked pretty convincing um, in their win against Wolves. I mean, away from home. You know, unlike Manchester United, they they looked ready and raring to go, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, Kevin de Kevin de Kevin de Bruyne is a baller. Foden is a baller. Um, <laughs> baller is my new phrase. It's it's what I'm going for. I think I'm just using it to describe players who just are really good at football. They're not they're not just getting a goal because they got gifted a penalty like Mitrovic or or because they can head a ball sort of when you know by running they are they are just phenomenally good with the ball at their feet and and that's what I want Jack right now I just want people that I'm going to be happy to watch regardless I think this is the thing I just want to watch players that I'm very happy to watch and 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 then I'll probably feel better about fantasy football right now if I can just <laughs> if I can just watch ballers so so that's where I'm at I, I, what did you think about Podence actually because um he's obviously someone I'm thinking about and he played in that game Wolves' assets could be valuable. They've got a good run of fixtures coming up. Um, what were your thoughts about Wolves? Yeah, no, Wolves, you know, I mean, I don't think that they were going into this game expecting to win it. I mean, they granted, I mean, to be fair, they, they had their chances, you know. It, in, in that second half, they did have a few chances uh, to get back into the game. Um, Jimenez missed, missed, you know, a relatively easy chance for, for someone of his calibre. Um, certainly I am worried about not owning Jimenez. I mean, you know, he's got two goals in two games and bizarrely enough, they've both been assisted by, by Daniel Podence. So, you know, there does look to be that, that partnership forming up front for, for Wolverhampton. But yeah, I mean, they, they looked impressive. I mean, Roman Saiz giving away a penalty, um, wasn't great, but I mean, De Bruyne, you know, seems to be on penalties now for Man City. We know that they had sort of struggled to find a solid penalty taker uh, throughout the last season. So it does look like De Bruyne is nailed on as, as that number one penalty taker when he is playing. Um, and yeah, I just think, you know, both sides are certainly, I, I'm i certainly, yeah, you know, they speak for themselves really. I mean, Wolverhampton have got some pretty decent midfield, you know, mid to low priced options. You mentioned Pedence, they've got Neto as well. Uh, they, they have been active in the transfer market. You know, it's sort of becoming Portuguese uh, Birmingham, I would say. You know, it is, you know, they, they don't try to disguise it anymore. 
they've uh, released their third kit, which is essentially just a Portuguese kit. Um, and they, I believe today or yesterday, it was confirmed that they had signed Nelson Semedo from Barcelona. So yet another Portuguese player coming into that squad. And I think he's been added into the game at 5.5. So, I mean, even he is a player on, on my watch list. Um, I'm not comfortable with having Davies uh, in my back line at the moment. It's a problem that I need to fix. So maybe I'll give Nelson Semedo a bit of a look if he does play in, in this weekend's fixtures. But yeah, I mean... Man City just, they just looked like they were well up for trying to win that title back from Liverpool this season. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think, I think getting, getting, a, this is the thing. I, I think I could get in Foden. I think I could get in De Bruyne. And I think I could just take a real, a real big punt on Semedo, even though I don't necessarily know if he's a baller. I'm willing to take that <laughs> risk. I'm willing to take that risk, Jack, because I'm all about risks now. <laughs> yeah, my my psyche, my FPL psyche, my my strategy, my calm, collective thinking has just been absolutely thrown out of the window this week. That's where I'm at right now. I'm just, oh, I'm born again. <laughs> okay, so let's move on now to talking about game week three and you know our transfers our squads how how our squads looking now you keep mentioning you have activated your wild card so who at the moment is is on your radar for for potentially starting uh in your team for game week three well i think verner i think let's start with the people who are probably sticking around verner's sticking okay. around i think robertson's probably sticking around alexander arnold salah cool done alton rodriguez and then the rest of it is just an absolute fire sale. I have a feeling that I have a worry that um, that Mac- uh, McCarthy, yeah, that McCarthy's going to get dropped from from Southampton because that's it's it's, it's, it's in Ralph Hasenhutl's history that he sort of drops a keeper after a crippling defeat. So I'm a bit worried about that at the moment. Martinez is my guy. Uh, Davies is gone. Um, Tierney obviously got injured, so he's gone. And at the moment. Actually, do you know what? At the moment, I haven't got any idea who my defenders are. I've just got the defenders who are going up in price. So I've got Lamptey, James, and um, Castag, Castain, Castain, is how you say it? <laughs> Castagna. Yeah, Castagna. I've only got them because yeah. I'm trying to make some money on them. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, honestly, I've talked about my midfield problem. I've talked about my striker problem. I haven't got a clue. I think the only thing that's certain is that if I do go for someone like Foden's, Foden. Foden over Podence. I think what I'll do is try and have a more, um, a better bench, a bench that's more likely to play games, like 4.5 million defenders, for example, who can actually come in and cover if Foden doesn't play a game, because that would be my only concern is that he just sometimes won't play games. And if I've got a defence that can cover that, then is that even a concern anymore? Probably not, because he's going to score when he does play, likely. And that's that's my wild card. I mean, it's a it's an absolute blitz. I'm I'm keen to hear what you're doing, what your sort of planned transfers are. Are you keeping Sun, for example? Well, so like I said, you know, after game week one, Son was very much a okay. You have to you know give me a reason to keep you in my team. And last week he did. Uh, so so he does hold his spot in my team. Um, I think again nine million. I think I mentioned it in in the first episode. It is a relatively you know good jumping off point i mean it's like you know it's only a million or so up to one of the sort of you know mid to high tier premium options and it is you know an easy downgrade to quite literally anyone else um that that catches my eye so i mean some 
to to Greenwood maybe on the cards if if Man United get their act together, but that probably won't happen for for another week or so. I mean, I did carry over a transfer from last week. Uh, so I had two free transfers going into this one. I think uh, we talked about it a bit earlier. Aubameyang to Kevin De Bruyne was going to be on the cards. Um, I'm actually fairly happy um, that so so I missed the last couple of minutes of that game just because you know I was tired um, and it was a Monday night and I had work in the morning. Um, but just before I went to bed, I confirmed my transfers and I woke up in the morning to see that he had risen in price overnight from 11.5 to 11.6. So fairly happy with my timing on that transfer because I did sort of get ahead, get, get a bit of a jump in, in the, uh, in terms of, uh, squad value. Um, and that gave me 0.5 million. Now I still have 0.5 in the bank, but, uh, my trans, my, my second transfer for this week was from Alan St. Maximan to... Daniel Podence. So, Mr. Podence has made his way into my squad. I mean, he has just looked so exciting in the first couple of games for for Wolves. And I mean, we talked about it earlier. They have arguably, you know, one of the best run-ins at the moment. I mean, you look at the, the, the teams that they play from game week three all the way up to game week seven. You've got West Ham away, Fulham at home. Leeds away, Newcastle at home, and Crystal Palace at home. So they play, they, they they go up against two of the newly promoted sides in in that five game run, and they've got three home games. So Podence just looks exciting. Um, for now, he looks like he is nailed on in that squad, and like I mentioned as well, he seems to be forming a good partnership with with Jimenez and the players around him. So I can't see why that can't carry on. Um, and, and, and those are my two transfers. I've still got Rodriguez in there. I've got Salah in the midfield. I mean, I love the look of my midfield at the moment when I look across my screen and I've got Salah, Rodriguez, Podent, Son and De Bruyne. It, it's, it's, for me, I, I feel good about that midfield. I've got Werner and Mitrovic still up top. You know, Mitrovic getting attacking returns is always an added bonus, so he keeps his spot. Werner, you mentioned it. He plays against West Brom. West Brom have looked... Let's be honest, they, they have looked fairly poor at the back. So I'm, I'm hoping for good things from Timo Werner. Otherwise, again, he might find himself on, on the chopping block going into game week four. And then my defence this week, uh, I've got Taylor from Burnley. because uh, Basically because uh, Justin plays away from home against Man City. And I, I feel like uh, Man City can, on their day, score you know three, four, five goals against any team in the league and, and I'm not confident with, with Justin picking up an attacking return against City. Um, and then I've got Trent and Davies and I'm sticking with McCarthy in between the sticks. But again, depending on the situation, I mean, you talk about, you know, Hassan Hurtel dropping goalkeepers, McCarthy might be dropped. That maybe may, might make me tempted to use a transfer on a goalkeeper. Although that is, you know, not something that I like to do, um, but I think it would be a relatively easy switch, or I'm hoping it would be an easy switch to to Emmy Martinez, who did pick up a uh, a, a penalty save in his uh, first game for Aston Villa, and of course the clean sheet as well. So he did pick up quite a few points, and he does look, you know, as if he is going to continue the form that we saw him produce for Arsenal towards the back end of last season. So. Yeah, I've uh, using two transfers, and and I mean I'm relatively happy with how my team looks, mate. Yeah, no, it sounds. I'm a bit jealous to be honest, Jack. Wish I had a team I was happy with. 
But uh, I tell you what, it, it feels weird because I think the last couple of seasons it's been the opposite situation where I've had a bad start and I've been really downbeat and just annoyed with FPL for a couple of weeks and then I sort of do gradually turn it around and now it feels weird to actually be starting off okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, gosh, yeah, I, I'm very envious. <laughs> but I'm not even that downbeat. I'm just aware that I probably got massively carried by Salah uh, in the previous week and didn't really... See, I didn't see the danger signs. Although, it's a Tierney injury that came out of nowhere. Uh, a random red card off my bench yeah, as well. It, yeah. Just all these little things have just gone a little bit wrong. Like Werner probably... Well, actually, let's get on to that. Werner probably should be scoring goals. He's getting in great positions and he's taking a lot of shots. And I think it's only a matter of time. Who's your captain this week? Who are you going to go for? So, yeah, for for, for me, there were really only, you know, three or four players that I was looking at in terms of captaincy. I think two of them, relatively obvious, De Bruyne or, or Mo Salah, both of them home games. I wouldn't say, you know, home game ticks one of your boxes weak team maybe not i mean leicester and arsenal they both go up against so maybe maybe not so much a weak team but um yeah i was also looking at son but my issue with son is i can just you know i can see a son blank coming if you do captain him it's just i don't know maybe i'm just a bit superstitious but he's had an incredible week where he's you know returned what's 24 points um I can see maybe, obviously, I, f- I feel like he will score. Newcastle, again, don't look great defensively. I feel like he might pick up a goal or at least an assist in that game. But I don't think it's going to be a captainable return from Son. And then, yeah, you say Werner. Again, it's a difficult with Werner because he is away from home. Um, but he is going against a weak side. So who ticks the uh, reverse boxes for you. But uh, for me at the moment, my, my armband is on good old KDB just... He looked so impressive against Wolves. And now that he is, again, he's a penalty taker, looks to be the most nailed on player in that team as well, in that midfield. And he's also been pushed forward into sort of a number 10 role this season. And he is getting forward a bit more. He is getting into the box a bit more. And I know it's only going off one game, but he just looks like he is going to be the real deal. And Leicester at home at the Etihad, I mean... Fans won't be there, so it'll be a completely different ball game. But City at home, the record just speaks for itself. Yeah. What about you, mate? Well, Jack, I'm loving the reasons. Salah, home fixture against a team that Liverpool usually hammer. De Bruyne, <laughs> home fixture against a team that, that City usually hammer. But I hear a little rumour that West Brom have given up um, incredible numbers of chances to opposition strikers. Calvert-Lewin scored three, you know, and and I've seen Werner play and I've seen him take a lot of shots and I've seen him get into the box and run really fast and get into good positions. And my my finger is is itching to pull the trigger on a Werner captain. And I'm I'm terrified. I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. It's not ticking a box and I'm going to be really upset if I if it all goes wrong because I've got I've got my I've got my strategy. I had my plan. It was all set in stone. And now here we are, and it's two weeks in, and I'm all over the place. I'm doing wild things, Jack. I'm considering captaining players who are playing away from home. I, I, I seriously might captain Werner against West Brom. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think certainly in terms of differential pick, I think that he will be, you know, probably one of the best options because I feel like the majority of people are going to be captaining either Salah 
or De Bruyne, but I don't know, man. I mean, it might work out, you know. It, it, it could work out, and I guess in the battle of the captains that we sort of have going on, I guess no one really won this week. I guess we both... So, so I guess the idea is to try and put the armband on the player who is going to return the most points uh, for you. So Hammers Rodriguez returned the most points in your team, and I had Son uh, get me 24, so I don't... I mean, I, I wasn't ever considering Hyungmin Son, but, you know, Aubameyang captain was was okay but yeah I, I don't know I feel like for someone in your situation at the moment if you're you know I, I say your situation you know, it's <laughs> only two weeks in you know you could have an absolutely blinding week and jump ahead of me so who knows but certainly someone sort of upside chasing as as it were I can't see why a differential captain won't work mate yeah, well, we'll see how I feel. I think what I'll do, I think I'll do the tried and trusted strategy of, of either getting drunk and doing it while drunk or, or just being hungover and um, making my decisions that way. Because Waking waking up at 10.55 <laughs> on, on Saturday morning and making a last minute rash decision. I think I think what might happen, wake up at 10.55 on, a, on the Saturday morning, realise that I've still got all these random players in my team from when I was just trying to like make price changes happen <laughs> and make value and go, oh no, I've got five minutes to make decisions. So that's where I'm at. I think I'm going to captain Werner, but it could easily be that on the day I go for Salah. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. I think, you know, any any of those sort of three or four choices that, that, that we talked about are, are solid options. And, you know, who knows? It's football. Anything can happen. So we'll move on quickly now to briefly talk about the, uh, the, the fixtures that are happening this weekend. So we've got on Saturday, the early kickoff is Brighton at home to Manchester United. And we've got Palace versus Everton at three o'clock, which I think could be an interesting fixture from an FPL point of view. West Brom host Chelsea in the game at half past five and then Burnley at home to Southampton in the evening. Sunday kicks off with Sheffield hosting Leeds, which again, Northern England clash. That could be very, very exciting, although I'm not keeping my hopes up or, or I'm not expecting big things from Sheffield United because they have looked shaky so I think that Leeds could come away with you know all three points in that one and and more goals to boot uh, then we've got Spurs versus Newcastle City versus Leicester and the evening game on Sunday is West Ham versus Wolves and then Monday night football we've got Fulham versus Aston Villa and then the biggest clash of the weekend or one of the bigger clashes should I say is Liverpool at home to Arsenal, 8 o'clock on Monday. So, just a couple of the fixtures. Man United, you know, opening up the game week, um, looking to bounce back. Do you think, I, I certainly feel like a lot of managers may be turning to, to the likes of Rashford, Greenwood, Fernandez for, for the armband. Do you think that that's a bit of a trap? I don't know. Uh, and that's the truthful answer. Because <laughs> I, I like United as a counter-attacking team. And I have a feeling that the way that Brighton are going to try and play at home is is going to be that they're going to try and control the midfield and to put pressure on. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another Spurs Southampton, to be honest. But um, I, I think Graham Potter's ability to actually manage a game is a bit better than Hassan Hootel's. So even if even if they do get caught on the counter a couple of times, I think he might be able to shore that shore that up and and make the changes necessary during a game to stop it happening. But it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen. Um, so I fancy United to take that, and I fancy United to do it in a way that makes people really 
go like knee jerk heavy for United assets again. But um, I won't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it will be again, it will be, you know, just think that the previous United game against Palace didn't happen and, you know, give Man United a clean slate. How well can they perform against, you know, a team that, you know, is worse than they are? Um, so, again, will be interesting to see if uh, Ollie gives Van der Beek a start. And I, I think that if he does give Van der Beek a start, then, again, we might see Fernandez drop a bit deeper. We might see Pogba drop to the bench and, and Matic be that holding player. Um, I feel like that's what they lacked against Palace. Um, very much a sort of a, a holding midfield player. I mean, McTominay didn't look that great. Um, but yeah, I think it may give some Man United uh, owners um, a bit of a headache uh, on, on what they should do with their players. I'm excited for Palace versus Everton. I mean, Zaha and a very, very well-organized Roy Hodgson defense against a free-flowing, very creative, intuitive Everton attack. I mean, I, I'm hoping for big things uh, from Hamas Rodriguez, obviously, so that I can just keep riding that train and just keep talking about him. But uh, who knows? That one could be... It could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm very keen to see how Palace play. I'm very keen to see how Everton play. I, I, honestly, I just want to see more Palace and Everton games because I just want to see how they actually are. Like, are they good? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, I'd love to see. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited too, Jack. I echo your thoughts. <laughs> then we have your beloved Chelsea going away against West Brom. Now, I guess your eyes will be fixated on that game if uh, you do decide to choose Timo Werner as your captain. Or, or, or maybe you decide to, you know, take your eyes away from that game and just, you know, Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, mate. Oh, there's a chance, Jack, that I pick... Um... I pick Reese James from my team as well. And then I'm super into that game. I'm watching Reese James bomb up the right-hand side and I'm screaming to hit for him to shoot from the halfway line. Um, <laughs> I'll be watching that game. I'm so keen to see how bad West Brom are because they just keep conceding chances to strikers that strikers shouldn't usually get in the Premier League. And if that's the case, they become whipping boys and, and suddenly you start really targeting them. So um, the quicker we work out who's bad, the, the easier it is for captaining, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, West Brom and, and Fulham are looking like the sort of teams that you will try to target with, with, with your captaincy choices, whether or not it is home or away. I mean, the final game on, on Saturday is Burnley versus Southampton. Again, a, a chance for retribution for Southampton. And I mean, we know how well they bounced back last season after that utterly humiliating defeat 9-0 against Leicester at home as well so so we know how well they can bounce back whether or not they can do it uh with such speed that they did last season is, is another thing but I think Burnley Southampton I mean it kind of has nil-nil written all over it with the way that Burnley set up at the back and the way that you know Southampton don't uh, I don't know I don't know man it's uh, that game's a bit of a tough one to call yeah, Southampton, if they do play a high line against Burnley, will be probably quite rewarded for it because Burnley very much rely on uh, teams that, that are a bit deeper defensively where they can get the ball quite you know down the wing and, and cross it in with McNeil to the big old head of wood. So I think if Southampton play a high line and they play it successfully and they're not absolutely battered for confidence, um, they could defend quite well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that will be maybe not an interesting one from an FPL 
perspective. I mean, I've, I've got Charlie Taylor at the back, so I'm hoping that they can keep Southampton relatively quiet and maybe he can chip in with, with an assist. But uh, yeah, I've, I've not got my hopes up. Um, I mean, I'll probably end up watching that game, but maybe maybe a bit more relaxed because I don't... Uh, I mean, yeah, I say I don't have any players. I've got McCarthy and, and, and Taylor, so maybe yeah, so a nil-nil. You, so you've just got Taylor the in that option. game then uh, because Force yeah. will probably start. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, if... if so if McCarthy starts, I'm hoping for a nil-nil. If he doesn't start, I'm hoping for Burnley, Charlie Taylor, three assists. That's 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 what I'm hoping for. <laughs> oh yeah, they call that they call that the uh, the Kyle Walker Peters, the hat trick of assists. <laughs> well, the Harry they call it the Harry Kane now, don't they? Actually, that's yes, real. <laughs> yes, that is very true. So moving on to Sunday's fixtures again, Sheffield versus Leeds. Sheffield have looked poor defensively, haven't they? Well, they've just looked poor. <laughs> they they can't score goals. Um, they can't really defend. Like I guess against Wolves, what happened is they conceded a couple of goals really quickly, and then Wolves realised that the game was done, and it just ended after about twenty minutes. And they were they. I mean, Aston Villa. They're like it's Aston Villa. They they really could have done a bit better there. So yeah, keep an eye on Sheffield United. They could be they could be rubbish, but they might not be. It's very hard to tell. It's very. It's only two games. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael Owen, for that brilliant analysis of a football team. They could be good, they could be bad, who knows. Um, but yeah, no, Leeds, I think, should comfortably win that one. Spurs versus Newcastle, I'll be keeping half an eye on that one. Obviously, with Son keeping his place in my team, he is going to be inevitably looking for another reason to stay in my team this weekend, hopefully. So, Newcastle haven't looked great defensively. Um, you know... Are you considering any Spurs attacking assets on your wildcard? Oh, I'm certainly not. They've looked so bad. They've looked so bad in midfield and they've been so they were so lucky to score five goals. I think Newcastle will sit deep, probably lose 2-0, but it won't be it, it'll probably be some horrible Lamella mm-hmm. goal that bounces off of Lascelles back heel or something and and then some other Ndombele might score, you know, just a random midfielder scoring from quite far away is, is my hope and also bet for that game. So what you're saying is a cross will come in from Matt Doherty or get headed away and Harry, Wink, Harry Winks will be there to absolutely rifle one into the back of the net. Oh, yeah, a Harry Winks away. <laughs> yes, please. I'd go for a Harry Winks screamer. That's what I'm about. Newcastle lose. <laughs> Spurs, who I don't care about, win, and <laughs> none of their like actual useful assets get any points. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> we'll move on to Man City versus Leicester, and again we mentioned it earlier. You know, both sides looking very good. I mean, obviously City have only played one game, but they came out of the blocks. Uh, we talked about how how well they how how good they looked against Wolves and Leicester. You know. Again, one of those sides that I think a lot of people were maybe a bit hesitant to own any of their attacking assets going into the season, but they certainly look like they could give Manchester City a bit of a close game. I just think Man City will score more than Leicester score. Agreed. Um, Leicester haven't been tested yet. And no, last season, no, true. Like, watching Sterling just and, and Mares actually um, in the second game, just... just just take take Leicester's defenders to the absolute cleaners. Like like Mares had had Chilwell on toast. He was just falling over. I, I'd like to see more of that, please. <laughs> just well, not Chilwell this time because unfortunately Chelsea have signed Chilwell. But 
just James Justin. Maybe maybe if I see James Justin just falling over, I could go for some of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 hoping he doesn't return. Uh, sat on my bench, um, and and he doesn't. He probably won't come off my bench to be honest, because I think all of my starting lineup will will start their games. But yeah, I I'm again going to be keeping a keen eye on that one, hoping for some more KDB points returns. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, and then we've got West Ham versus Wolves, and again, I think the writing really is on the wall in that game. Wolves away from home. Um, but it's against West Ham, so West Ham have looked just oh, West Ham just looked terrible for me. Um, agreed. Somehow they only conceded two to Arsenal, so what does that say about them? But yeah, yeah. I agree. West Ham, another team that I won't be touching unless things really, really change. There, David Moyes will be skyping in on his phone to manage the game still because he's tested positive for Corona. <laughs> how how could you possibly? want a West Ham asset at this time, even though who did they beat? They, they, they won quite comfortably in the cup. Allaire scored two. Um, someone else that's really important scored two and got two assists as well. Yeah. Yarmolenko. I think Yarmolenko. There we go. Two assists, I think, but yeah, no, I mean, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, West Ham just looked like a club that's in disarray on and off the pitch. They've got probably again, the reverse of what Wolves have got. And they've got probably one of the, worst fixture run-ins throughout the entirety of of October as well so I think if you I know a lot of people had Suchek at the start of the season I don't think it's a immediate must sell because Suchek has looked you know dangerous in terms of his aerial presence but uh, West Ham just don't look like a team that for me passed the eye test and you know yeah you 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 mentioned it for me they're they're a hard avoid at the moment and I'm not going to be even if one of their players does go on a scoring run, I'm not going to be particularly interested in picking them up, to be honest, because just just because of how bad their fixtures do look. Um, the Monday games then, Fulham versus Aston Villa. I mean, for me, that's anyone's game. Um, I Fulham have looked bad defensively. That that's all I'm going to say on that matter. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts for that game? Yeah, Fulham have looked bad offensively too. So uh, <laughs> I think I think that's uh, our combination of opinions there probably means something. <laughs> they, Fulham have looked bad at the back. They've looked bad at the front as well. Um, and yeah, Villa, again, making a, a, a good couple of signings over the last uh, week or so. And I think Emmy Martinez certainly is a, a good reinforcement in, in between the sticks. And, you know, he looked good in his first game. So perhaps I'll... Perhaps I'll keep an eye on that game just to see how well Emmy Martinez can can perform, and if he does stand out as that you know 4.5 goalkeeper who does consistently pick up clean sheets or is getting you know save point returns week in week out, maybe he is the must own 4.5 option going forward because I believe Villa's fixtures do you know take a turn for the better after you know two or three weeks time, so. Yeah, maybe, maybe he is going to be on the radar. And then we come to the Monday night kickoff between Liverpool versus Arsenal. That's at 8 o'clock. I mean, that could be a very, very exciting game. Obviously, the the Community Shield um, matchup uh, only happened, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago now. So both teams, I think, will maybe set up in a similar way that they did in that game. And I, I personally am hoping for quite a few goals in this one. I mean, maybe Aubameyang, if you could go 
quiet against Liverpool, that would be great. Um, but uh, yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm going to be very interested in that game because the way that Arsenal set up recently against big teams has been very successful, which is unlike Arsenal. It's very unlike Arsenal. And when it comes to the league, Liverpool look like a bit of a different beast to when it comes to cup games. I expect that it will be either one of the two where it will be a quite a close game that Arsenal win or an absolute domination by Liverpool. I don't think it's going to be one of those where Liverpool sneak it at the end. I think if Liverpool win it, they'll win it big because they'll have got everything right. Robertson will be firing, Alexander-Arnold will be firing, Salah will just be popping them in. So that's why I was thinking about captaining Salah, actually, because I think at home, in the league, new season, a team that just, oh, I mean, hammered. They 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 blew Chelsea away for, for 90 minutes. And, and I know that there was a sending off, but it, it was just effortlessly easy for them. Um, I'm going to go for a big Liverpool victory on that one. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that happening as well. I mean, Arsenal have looked more organised defensively under Arteta. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it, Salah at home. I mean, his goal-scoring record at Anfield is just incredible. And he doesn't just do it against, you know, the smaller sides. He does turn up in, in the so-called big games. And I think that's where perhaps Aubameyang is maybe a bit behind the likes of Salah um, in terms of, you know, being cool at the moment. I'm just very, very hyped for football to be back for yet another weekend. And it's also looking like it's going to be a weekend where we can, <laughs> if you're at home, you can watch literally all of the games. So it's going to just be absolutely insane. Oh, I can certainly agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, I think that that is all we have got time for this week on Bench Busted. It's been absolutely amazing talk. And I am, you know what, mate? I'm so hyped to see your final wildcard team. I honestly can't wait. Um, Maybe in a few weeks time, I'll be in a similar situation to you and maybe I'll be tempted to use my wildcard. So I know a lot of people already have used their wildcard. But uh, yeah, I mean... Like you say, it's 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 exciting time for for FPL and just football in general. Blimpin' well is, and I and I can't wait to see my wildcard team too. God, I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs>